Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Quirky Corporate Chicks podcast. We have your hosts, Dana Foster and Sherry Hayes, corporate life coaches and private practice. We focus on people who follow their passion and how their lives have been impacted. Real stories, real entrepreneurs, and lots of laughter as we look at where life has taken us. And today we have Lizzie B. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Hi, Lizzie. Fresh back from Edinburgh, the Fringe Festival. We're so excited to have you. Oh, excited to be here. So a little bit of background to the listeners. I have known Lizzie for about a year. She works around the corner for me in her day job. And I go and, you know, we see each other quite often. And she mentioned to me that she's a playwright. And she has written, um, is it just plays or have you written on short stories or? Uh, mainly plays. Um, I've done a little foray into television as well. Oh. I'd like to do more of that, but primarily theater and plays. Okay. And uh, had mentioned to me, uh, since I am an Anglophile, formerly living in England as well, that she was going to Edinburgh because she's been picked up her latest play, Monsoon. Monsoon, Monsoon season. season. Yeah. Uh, has just been picked up by the Fringe Festival, and she's just fresh back from that. So we'd love to hear some of your takeaways and uh, hear about your story. So, Sure. Um, let's see. Should I start with the play or just like me getting into playwriting? You getting into playwriting. Sure. Um, well, I guess my interest in theater began in high school, kind of uh, just like auditioned for a school play. And I think as a very unathletic, slightly nerdy high schooler, um, quickly got into <laughs> drama and was a very typical drama club, like a high schooler. Um, and yeah, kind of fell in love with it because I think it combined my love of um, literature and writing and then performing as well. So acting was sort of the big thing all through high school. Um, applied to college as a theater major, um, and then I went to Brown where I majored in theater there um, and was really still pursuing the acting path, but took a few classes in playwriting. Um, then I got my master's in acting as well. Wow. Um, and came to New York City and then had the sort of wake up call of, yeah, I really love acting and I hate being an actor. <laughs> um, yeah, a few years of auditioning and it's yeah. just I have endless respect for actors um, both for the art form and just how hard it is to uh, follow that career path um, so during that I was still writing and uh, started to have more success with my writing and was really enjoying that a lot more so at a certain point maybe four or five years ago was like I think this is actually like what I'm supposed to be doing I was on the right path with theater, but I do think that the writing is what I actually want to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, so started working with a lot of small theater companies. Um, I work with a theater company called Amios that does a monthly evening of short plays. Um, they'll choose a theme and then six playwrights write a 10 minute play. Uh, so I've done like 20 to 30 of those, which is great to just like mm -hmm. keep writing all the time. Um, I've had several shows produced, um, various different opportunities kind of all over the place. Um, and then most recently this play that I took to, um, Edinburgh, it actually started as a 10 minute play. Um, it was a one man show for a friend of mine named Richard 
and it's called Monsoon Season. It's about a man who lives in Phoenix, which is where I'm from, who's recently divorced and works in technical support and is having severe insomnia to the point where he's having micro sleeps and like falling asleep throughout the day. Um, and he's sort of losing his grasp on reality. Meanwhile, his ex-wife is uh, has a new boyfriend, which he is, anyway, he's sort of just losing his grip on reality. I won't get into the details of the mystery, but a crime is committed. It seems like it's likely he did it, but we don't know. That's the end of that portion of the one-man show. And then I've recently written the other half of the show, which is his ex-wife. And um, so then she basically has a one-woman part of the show. Oh, wow. So basically That's two fun. long monologues back to back. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I had, I started this show in 2015 and I've never spent so long writing the same piece. Not that I was writing it continuously. It, it sort of came in lots of different fragments, but I've lived with it a long time, which I think has really helped deepen and develop the piece. Um, so the theater company that's producing it is called All for One, and they specialize in solo theater. Uh, and my main actor, Richard, had a relationship with some of the, um, with the artistic director. Um, we got a workshop of the show last fall, at which point they said, hey, we would actually like to produce this. But um, at that point, the show was 45 minutes long. And they were like, it's kind of in a no man's land in terms of length. Could you lengthen this into a full length play? Um, at which point that's when I said, sure, but I'm going to need to add another character. And we added, um, the character, Julia, who is, uh, Danny's ex-wife. Now it's up to an hour, which is what we took to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Um, it had to be an hour cause they're very, very strict about timing there because their venues are like, okay, you have 10 minutes to get your show in. Now we have the next one. Mm -hmm. Um, but it will be produced in New York city, uh, in October and it'll be closer to an hour and a half for that performance. So I'm working on edits as we speak and kind of getting that into shape for New York City. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. I can't wait. Yeah. So is that, is that the longest piece that you've created so far? No, um, I've written a couple other full-length plays. Um, the Loneliest Number, Barrier Islands, um, Wisconsin Death Trip, all are roughly in the 90s. <laughs> Uh, time period um, between 90 minutes and two hours is sort of the standard length of my full-length plays um, then I have a couple of one acts and then as I said like 10 million 10 minute plays Wow, that's incredible so selfishly out of curiosity I'm from Minnesota what's the Wisconsin death trip about oh um, so there's this very weird book that I encountered in college called Wisconsin death trip sort of in a weird no man's land of like photography and history. It's this, the author um, went through these town records of this town called Black River Falls in rural Wisconsin. Oh, I know where that is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a, I've never, I mean. There's a hospital there. That's how I know where it is. Okay, cool. Um, so he looked at the town records, both newspapers and photography from the 1890s. Um, and would like clip out newspaper clips and like made this sort of photo collage history um, and paints this incredibly bleak portrait of like Wisconsin life in the 1890s with a big emphasis on like 
disease, murder, suicide, floods, bank failures. Um, so I wrote a play about that, <laughs> which sounds incredibly grim uh, and sort of was, but I think there was also some, you know, comedy and interesting stories to be found in there as well. Um, so it's just very loosely based on that book. The book doesn't have characters or like um, one particular narrative. I sort of just took little bits and pieces from it. Um, and it is set in Wisconsin in the 1890s. So that's where that play came from. I have a quick question if I can jump in. So how do you, when you say that it, you sat with um, Monsoon for, I guess now this is 2019, so it's four years it's taken you to kind of write that. What do you do, like, when did, did these creative bursts come to you? They come when I commit myself to something where thou, now I'm accountable and someone's expecting me to turn something in, so I have to write it. <laughs> okay, that's very honest. Um, yeah, I mean, not that I never write without a deadline, but I have learned that I am a good person at turning things in and I am not good at forcing myself to work without any sort of external accountability. Um, so I'm Raises always, hand and identifies with that. <laughs> so I'm actually constantly looking for ways to um, give myself the, that external accountability, whether it's through like submitting my plays to workshops or contests or just talking to friends and getting up a plan for some creative project put together because I know it's far more likely I will get stuff done if I said I would do it and someone's counting on me to do it. And where do you think you get most of your inspiration from? Is it just really in random places or is it from things that you read in books and magazines? Yeah, I'm a huge reader. I'm always reading something. So that's definitely a big inspiration. Um, I'm super interested in true crime. So that is a big source of inspiration as well. Um, hard to say. It really kind of depends on the project and, you know, whether I'm writing something purely just for myself, where it could come from anywhere, or like with these short plays I write, they'll be like, okay, here's the theme. You have this many actors, write a 10 minute play that fulfills these conditions. And that actually makes it a little easier because it's like, okay, I at least have a framework to work with. But yeah, I guess that's sort of a, a loose answer, but they come from all over the place really. So how do you, I, I'm sure li the listeners that we have are, are, you know, there's definitely a lot of aspiring writers. We have some people who are trying to write their first book and, you know, which is similar to, to a play. I, I just wonder, how do you deal with rejection? Have you ever turned in a manuscript and had it written back and, and said that this, you know, for whatever reason, wasn't going to work out? Oh, 10 million times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I send my plays to all kinds of um, contests or, you know, workshop opportunities, um, tons and tons of things. Um, I guess the way to handle rejection is to just submit your work to so many things that no one opportunity is like a huge deal to you. I mean, if you got it, it would be wonderful and exciting, but I kind of just submit my work to places and then try to forget about it and just assume it's not going to happen. Mm. Um, and then if it does, I'm pleasantly surprised, but yeah, the influx of rejection letters kind of just bounces off me. Cause I'm like, that's just part of, I don't know, having a creative career is knowing there's going to be tons and tons of that. 
I think that's that's true in sales or really any anything that um, would involve getting objections. If you have enough in the funnel, then you're not super hyper-focused. But if you've only got a couple of things that you're working on or potentially could come through, it's even kind of like dating, right? The old phrase of putting yeah. your eggs in one basket. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, you, if, you, if you've got lots of options, then when one gives it's you a, a rejection, it's not so, it doesn't hurt as much. Yeah, you, like you always need a rotation. Always need a rotation. Exactly. It's a lot like dating. If you go on one date, <laughs> months and it goes badly you're crushed if you go on like five in a month and a date goes badly you're like whatever on to the next one so I do think that's the case for um, creative opportunities as well it's just don't get your hopes up keep working if they don't like your stuff someone else will just keep mm. moving forward not that it doesn't you know it still can be very disappointing but you just the odds are you probably won't get it so just go on to the next thing. I think that's so what keeps advice. you going? What is the feeling behind it? Is it uh, wanting to create something new all the time? Or what, what are your thoughts on that? I think that there's a couple different reasons. The most like internal one is just, I really enjoy writing and telling stories and whether or not I'm submitting my work anywhere or it's getting produced, like these ideas keep coming and there is just the pleasure of creating itself. Um, so that is, I think like the truest and deepest reason, but then there's also, you know, I want a career as a writer um, and that will not happen if I don't just keep writing all the time mm -hmm. and trying to get my work out there. Um, so on a practical level, that's what keeps me going. Um, and then as I was saying, like the accountability thing, I do submit my work to places and agree to work with people. And um, yeah, so if there's an expectation that I'm gonna have something for them, then I will. So a lot of things, but, um, and there have definitely been dry periods where I'm not writing at all for a long time. Um, and I'm not happy when I'm doing that. So I try to, try to keep myself involved and active and, and doing projects. I think I've, I read somewhere too, like one of the biggest things when it comes to writing is that you just, you have to sit down every day and make it a habit that it's, for most people, it's the writing every day where uh, the good stuff comes from and being disciplined to do that. Are there any other, you know, tips that you would give to other aspiring writers to help them hone in on their craft? Um, I definitely think that that's probably true about the daily habit thing. <laughs> but that is not something I have ever mastered, um, whether it comes to writing or yoga practice or you know, literally anything other than brushing my teeth. It's probably not something I'm gonna do every day. Um, I think it varies for every person. And if you can get yourself to do something every day, that's wonderful. I can't, my writing's gonna come in sporadic bursts based around deadlines, free time, where I can fit it in. Uh, I don't think that's ideal, but I do think as long as you can find something that works for you, um, I prefer to have a longer span of uninterrupted time where I can sort of just sit there for a long time and really get into a piece. Um, whereas doing like an hour a day, I'll feel like I'll barely enter the creative space and then I have to go do something else. So I sort of need uninterrupted, uninterrupted chunks where I can like forget about time for a little bit. So I guess, yeah, my advice would be figure out the 
the strategy that works for you, whether that is a daily mm-hmm. practice or roping off a weekend or, you know, just recognizing, okay, I need to leave town for one solid week if I can ever figure out time to do that. And that's my style. I think that's something important that you mentioned, um, which all, not just creatives struggle with is, is not necessarily knowing what you need to do to get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you mentioned, you know, you, you did have deadlines, but you know, in order to keep writing, you have to keep writing. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just a very simple piece of advice, but that's, it really, I think it's true with everything. You know, when I was, um, you know, not to, to go into my story yet, the listeners know already, but you know, I had to, I kept struggling with like, I didn't know what to do next. And my career coach said to me, um, you know, you have all these great ideas, like even about the podcast, you know, it's a great idea, but like, what are you actually doing to make it happen? And I just kept thinking that, you know, the ideas would keep coming and then one day it would just kind of manifest, I guess. And (laughs) guess what? It didn't, I had to put the hard work in. Yep. So, um, (laughs) um, I think it just, what you said really, it really resonated with me and I think it'll resonate with, um, the listeners too. Just, you know, knowing that you have to put the effort in and actually write. And yeah, that's the daily struggle. Like um, in some ways I don't feel like I have valuable advice to give because I'm like right in the middle of it every day trying to figure out, okay, like where is this time and space for my creativity? Um, You know, I'm a bartender uh, four days a week or so. Um, And that takes up a lot of time and energy. So just figuring out how to keep the creative spark alive and sort of honor that is definitely a daily challenge and one that I'm still working on every day. Mm. So in a perfect world, where would you like to see yourself in a year from now? Oh, in a perfect world, I definitely want to stay involved in the theater and writing plays, but I would also love to just be earning a living as a writer, which uh, I realize isn't terribly realistic to do through theater. So I'd love to be writing for television, um, you know, in a writer's room and have that be my regular income earning job while still allowing me time to write plays and work on other personal projects as well. That would kind of, that would be awesome. Is there any, any particular genre, you know, if we're, we're putting it out there in the world, would you, would you want to be like on, um, oh God, was, there's so many crime shows out there now, but, but would that be, would that be your choice or what would it look like? I would love that. I mean, my plays tend to be dark comedies um, and there's often some sort of like crime or violence element. So something like that would be awesome. Um, my uh what's the word guilty pleasure is lifetime television for women oh, <laughs> oh that r kelly documentary oh, oh. Yeah. we're not going to talk about that yeah, i feel like that that could just take over the whole show viral yeah <laughs> yeah some super dramatic series like you know on lifetime i would love that that would be amazing um so yeah, whether it's very like highbrow dramas or, you know, whatever, I, I would, I would enjoy to write for pretty much any show, but that would be kind of ideal. It's interesting that you're an extrovert when, uh, at least when I see during the day, um, a lot of the writers, especially when they want to take a break, you know, need to really hunker down and just be very, very introverted. Mm-hmm. 
Do you ever feel that you are, do you think you're an extroverted introvert? I actually am surprised that you um, perceive me as an extrovert because I think of myself as a pretty pronounced introvert. Ah, okay. Maybe it's because I see you in the restaurant. Yeah, my job does yeah. force me to, to be somewhat extroverted, but I don't think I'm a particularly like outgoing or friendly bartender. <laughs> Well, you are to me. Well, I like you and, you know, yeah. we become friends separate from that. But yeah, you know, even as bartenders go, I think I'm kind of shy and just like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll be polite. But um, I'm definitely not like the, I don't know, Sam from Cheers type. <laughs> I think it was Sam. Um, so I actually, yeah, I do think I'm, I'm quite introverted um, and in a job that is challenging for me to constantly be outward focused and interacting with people, but probably good for me in some respects too. And that I think if I had like a desk job where I was by myself most of the time, I'd get into some like, I don't know, mentally bad space. It's good for me to, to be forced to go outward sometimes. I wonder, do you get inspired by any of your customers? <laughs> Present oh, company yeah. excluded. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not in some like direct way that I can trace, but it's just such an array of characters and attitudes. And um, yeah, I think as a bartender, you really learn to like roll with the punches and not be phased by even the most outrageous behavior. Um, I definitely have a lot of like funny stories. Yeah, it's not like I'm like, oh, I'm going to take that person and put them in a play. But I think it's really improved my ear for dialogue. And mm -hmm. um improved my sense of the absurd. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things I like about one of my favorite authors is Charles Bukowski. And, you know, he had worked at the post office. And when he talks about, you know, the different people in the post office that he met, and then at the bar as well, um, just how they translate into his books, but not really as a particular character of just that he hybrids everything into a new person. Um, mm -hmm. I think that that's a very interesting as a writer. And I think a lot of writers, their day job filters into their work somehow or other. Um, yeah, it's interesting to look at some of my favorite writers and see what their like other job was um, and how that pertains to their creative output. I don't know if I have a great deal of insight into how mine connect, but there's definitely is a connection. Um, I write a lot of bartenders into my plays. <laughs> <laughs> and who, who's somebody that you admire as a, as a writer? Uh, like other writer? Oh, like as a writer myself or other writers I admire? Other writers that you admire? Um, let, my favorite playwright is Carol Churchill. She's an English playwright that I love. Um, I also love Tennessee Williams. Um, Sarah Kane is another English playwright I love. Um, fiction, I love Thomas Pynchon, Vladimir Nabokov. Um, poetry, I guess it's cliche, but I really love Sylvia Plath. Um, <laughs> As we all did when we were 16, yes. Let's <laughs> yep. just never grow out of it. <laughs> I like her too. Yeah, I discovered Tori Amos and Sylvia Plath at the same time in high school, and that was a fun little... <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of black in your wardrobe. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, um, so what, um, so what do you, after you've got this up and going with your play, oh, this okay, sorry. I can cut that out. I'm, I'm yeah, we have editing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have it was just popping clip. up on my screen with a, an alert. It was like taking over the screen for a moment. Oh, gotcha. um, so now after this play, what is next? Are you already working on something else? Or are you going to try and submit this for TV or what's next? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll definitely try to create further life for a monsoon season, whether that's um, submitting it to different play contests, adapting it for television. Um, I have several ideas of what to do next with that. I am also writing a full-length play that I don't have a ton of yet, only about like 20 to 30 pages so far, but working on that. So I'll be trying to get that finished, um, hopefully by the end of the year and ready to start figuring out a home for that or a, a production opportunities for that. Very exciting. Well, we certainly wish you the best of luck on all of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's been such a pleasure. <laughs> well, thank you. I hope I haven't been babbling too incoherently. No, you're very well spoken. And um, it's, we love to have creatives on the, especially ones that are uh, introverted and willing to talk to us because <laughs> we've had quite a few of, um, uh, even some very famous people tell us that they don't like to public speak, quote unquote. And we said, well, this is really, so yeah, we're very pleased to have you. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. And um, yeah, your guys' podcast is great. I'm excited to listen to more of it. Thank oh, you. Thank you so much. Course. All right. Well, you take care and thanks for coming on today. Thank yeah. You. Thanks. Bye, Bye guys. Bye. -bye. Bye.